chapter forty one of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray chapter forty one carries the reader both to richmond and greenwich poor foker found the dinner at richmond to be the most dreary entertainment upon which ever mortal man wasted his guineas i wonder how the deuce i could ever have liked these people he thought in his own mind why i can see the crow's feet under rougemont's eyes and the paint on her cheeks is laid on as thick as clowns in a pantomime the way in which that calverly talks slang is quite disgusting i hate chaff in a woman and old colchicum that old cole coming down here in his broom with his coronet on it and sitting bodkin between mademoiselle coralie and her mother it's too bad an english peer and a horse-rider of franconi's it won't do by jove it won't do i ain't proud but it will not do two pence halfpenny for your thoughts folky cried out miss rougemont taking her cigar from her truly vermilion lips as she beheld the young fellow lost in thought seated at the head of his table amidst melting ices and cut pineapples and bottles full and empty and cigar ashes scattered on fruit and the ruins of a dessert which had no pleasure for him does foker ever think drawled out mr points foker here is a considerable sum of money offered by a fair capitalist at this end of the table for the present emanations of your valuable and acute intellect old boy what the deuce is that points a-talkin about miss calverly asked of her neighbour i hate him he's a drawlin sneerin beast what a droll of a little man is that little folk air my lord mademoiselle coralie said in her own language and with the rich twang of that sunny gascony in which her swarthy cheeks and bright black eyes had got their fire what a droll of a man he does not look to have twenty years i wish i were of his age said the venerable colchicum with a sigh as he inclined his purple face towards a large goblet of claret cette jeunesse peu je m'en fiche said madame brac coralie's mamma taking a great pinch out of lord colchicum's delicate gold snuff-box je m'aime que les hommes moi comme milord coralie n'est-ce pas que tu n'aimes que les hommes faites ma bichette my lord said with a grin you flatter me madame brac taisez-vous maman vous n'êtes qu'une bête coralie cried with a shrug of her robust shoulders upon which my lord said that she did not flatter at any rate and pocketed his snuff-box not desirous that madame brac's dubious fingers should plunge too frequently into his macabaw there is no need to give a prolonged detail of the animated conversation which ensued during the rest of the banquet a conversation which would not much edify the reader and it is scarcely necessary to say that all ladies of the corps de danse are not like miss calverley any more than that all peers resemble that illustrious member of their order the late lamented viscount colchicum but there have been such in our memories who have loved the society of riotous youth better than the company of men of their own age and rank and have given the young ones the precious benefit of their experience and example 
and there have been very respectable men too who have not objected so much to the kind of entertainment as to the publicity of it i am sure for instance that our friend major pendennis would have made no sort of objection to join a party of pleasure provided that it were en petit comite and that such men as my lord steyne and my lord colchicum were of the society give the young men their pleasures this worthy guardian said to pen more than once i am not one of your straight-laced moralists but an old man of the world begad and i know that as long as it lasts young men will be young men and there were some young men to whom this estimable philosopher accorded about seventy years as the proper period for sowing their wild oats but they were men of fashion mr foker drove his lovely guests home to brompton in the drag that night but he was quite thoughtful and gloomy during the whole of that little journey from richmond neither listening to the jokes of the friends behind him and on the box by his side nor enlivening them as was his wont by his own facetious sallies and when the ladies whom he had conveyed alighted at the door of their house and asked their accomplished coachman whether he would not step in and take something to drink he declined with so melancholy an air that they supposed that the governor and he had had a difference or that some calamity had befallen him and he did not tell these people what the cause of his grief was but left mesdames rougemont and calverly unheeding the cries of the latter who hung over her balcony like jezebel and called out to him to ask him to give another party soon he sent the drag home under the guidance of one of the grooms and went on foot himself his hands in his pockets plunged in thought the stars and moon shining tranquilly overhead looked down upon mr foker that night as he in his turn sentimentally regarded them and he went and gazed upwards at the house in grosvenor place and at the windows which he supposed to be those of the beloved object and he moaned and he sighed in a way piteous and surprising to witness which policeman x did who informed sir francis clavering's people as they took the refreshment of beer on the coach-box at the neighbouring public-house after bringing home their lady from the french play that there had been another chap hanging about the premises that evening a little chap dressed like a swell and now with that perspicuity and ingenuity and enterprise which only belongs to a certain passion mr foker began to dodge miss amory through london and to appear wherever he could meet her if lady clavering went to the french play where her ladyship had a box mr foker whose knowledge of the language as we have heard was not conspicuous appeared in a stall he found out where her engagements were it is possible that anatole his man was acquainted with sir francis clavering's gentleman and so got a sight of her ladyship's engagement book and at many of these evening parties mr foker made his appearance to the surprise of the world and of his mother especially whom he ordered to apply for cards to these parties for which until now he had shown a supreme contempt he told the pleased and unsuspicious lady that he went to parties because it was right for him to see the world he told her that he went to the french play because he wanted to perfect himself in the language and there was no such good lesson as a comedy or a vaudeville and when one night the astonished lady agnes saw him stand up and dance and complimented him upon his elegance and activity the mendacious little rogue asserted that he had learned to dance in paris whereas anatole knew that his young master used to go off privily to an academy in brewer street and study there for some hours in the morning the casino of our modern days was not invented or was in its infancy as yet and gentlemen of mr foker's time had not the facilities of acquiring the science of dancing which are enjoyed by our present youth 
old pendennis seldom missed going to church he considered it to be his duty as a gentleman to patronize the institution of public worship and that it was quite a correct thing to be seen at church of a sunday one day it chanced that he and arthur went thither together the latter who was now in high favour had been to breakfast with his uncle from whose lodging they walked across the park to a church not far from belgrave square there was a charity sermon at st james's as the major knew by the bills posted on the pillars of his parish church which probably caused him for he was a thrifty man to forsake it for that day besides he had other views for himself and pen we will go to church sir across the park and then begad we will go to the clavering's house and ask them for lunch in a friendly way lady clavering likes to be asked for lunch and is uncommonly kind and monstrous hospitable i met them at dinner last week at lady agnes spoker's sir pen said and the begum was very kind indeed so she was in the country so she is everywhere but i share your opinion about miss amory one of your opinions that is uncle for you were changing the last time we spoke about her and what do you think of her now the elder said i think her the most confounded little flirt in london pen answered laughing she made a tremendous assault upon harry foker who sat next to her and to whom she gave all the talk though i took her down bah henry foker is engaged to his cousin all the world knows it not a bad coup of lady rosherville's that i should say that the young man at his father's death and old foker's life's devilish bad you know he had a fit at arthur's last year i should say that young foker won't have less than fourteen thousand a year from the brewery besides logwood and norfolk property i have no pride about me pen i like a man of birth certainly but dammy i like a brewery which brings in a man fourteen thousand a year hey pen ha ha that's the sort of man for me and i recommend you now that you are lanced in the world to stick to fellows of that sort to fellows who have a stake in the country begad foker sticks to me sir arthur answered he has been at our chambers several times lately he has asked me to dinner we are almost as great friends as we used to be in our youth and his talk is about blanche amory from morning till night i'm sure he's sweet upon her i'm sure he is engaged to his cousin and that they will keep the young man to his bargain said the major the marriages in these families are affairs of state lady agnes was made to marry old foker by the late lord although she was notoriously partial to her cousin who was killed at alviora afterwards and who saved her life out of the lake at drummington i remember lady agnes sir an exceedingly fine woman but what did she do of course she married her father's man why mr foker sat for drummington till the reform bill and paid devilish well for his seat too and you may depend upon this sir that foker senior who is a parvenu and loves a great man as all parvenus do has ambitious views for his son as well as himself and that your friend harry must do as his father bids him lord bless you i have known a hundred cases of love in young men and women hey master arthur do you take me they kick sir they resist they make a deuce of a riot and that sort of thing but they end by listening to reason begad blanche is a dangerous girl sir pen said i was smitten with her myself once and very far gone too he added but that is years ago were you how far did it go did she return it asked the major looking hard at pen pen with a laugh said that at one time he did think he was pretty well in miss amory's good graces but my mother did not like her and the affair went off pen did not think it fit to tell his uncle all the particulars of that courtship which had passed between himself and the young lady a man might go farther and fare worse arthur the major said still looking queerly at his nephew her birth sir her father was the mate of a ship they say and she has not money enough objected pen in a dandified manner what's ten thousand pound in a girl bred up like her 
you use my own words and it is all very well but i tell you in confidence pen in strict honour mind that it's my belief she has a devilish deal more than ten thousand pound and from what i saw of her the other day and and have heard of her i should say she was a devilish accomplished clever girl and would make a good wife with a sensible husband how do you know about her money pen asked smiling you seem to have information about everybody and to know about all the town i do know a few things sir and i don't tell all i know mark that the uncle replied and as for that charming miss amory poor charming begad she is if i saw her mrs arthur pendennis i should neither be sorry nor surprised begad and if you object to ten thousand pound what would you say sir to thirty or forty or fifty and the major looked still more knowingly and still harder at pen well sir he said to his godfather and namesake make her mrs arthur pendennis you can do it as well as i pshaw you are laughing at me sir the other replied rather peevishly and you ought not to laugh so near a church gate here we are at st benedict's they say mr oriel is a beautiful preacher indeed the bells were tolling the people were trooping into the handsome church the carriages of the inhabitants of the lordly quarter poured forth their pretty loads of devotees in whose company pen and his uncle ending their edifying conversation entered the fane i do not know whether other people carry their worldly affairs to the church door arthur who from habitual reverence and feeling was always more than respectful in a place of worship thought of the incongruity of their talk perhaps whilst the old gentleman at his side was utterly unconscious of any such contrast his hat was brushed his wig was trim his neckcloth was perfectly tied he looked at every soul in the congregation it is true the bald heads and the bonnets the flowers and the feathers but so demurely that he hardly lifted up his eyes from his book from his book which he could not read without glasses as for pen's gravity it was sorely put to the test when upon looking by chance towards the seats where the servants were collected he spied out by the side of a demure gentleman in plush henry foker esq who had discovered this place of devotion following the direction of harry's eye which strayed a good deal from his book pen found that it alighted upon a yellow bonnet and a pink one and that these bonnets were on the heads of lady clavering and blanche amory if pen's uncle is not the only man who has talked about his worldly affairs up to the church door is poor harry foker the only one who has brought his worldly love into the aisle when the congregation issued forth at the conclusion of the service foker was out amongst the first but pen came up with him presently as he was hankering about the entrance which he was unwilling to leave until my lady's barouche with the bewigged coachman had borne away its mistress and her daughter from their devotions when the two ladies came out they found together the pendennises uncle and nephew and harry foker esq sucking the crook of his stick standing there in the sunshine to see and to ask to eat were simultaneous with the good-natured begum and she invited the three gentlemen to luncheon straightway blanche was too particularly gracious oh do come she said to arthur if you are not too great a man i want so to talk to you about but we mustn't say what here you know what would mr oriole say and the young devotee jumped into the carriage after her mamma i've read every word of it it's adorable she added still addressing herself to pen i know who is said mr arthur making rather a pert bow what's the row about asked mr foker rather puzzled i suppose miss clavering means walter lorraine said the major looking knowing and nodding at pen i suppose so sir there was a famous review in the pall mall this morning it was warrington's doing though and i must not be too proud a review in pall mall walter lorraine what the deuce do you mean foker asked walter lorraine died of the measles poor little beggar when we were at greyfriars i remember his mother coming up 
you are not a literary man foker pen said laughing and hooking his arm into his friends you must know i have been writing a novel and some of the papers have spoken very well of it perhaps you don't read the sunday papers i read bell's life regular old boy mr foker answered at which pen laughed again and the three gentlemen proceeded in great good humour to lady clavering's house the subject of the novel was resumed after luncheon by miss amory who indeed loved poets and men of letters if she loved anything and was sincerely an artist in feeling some of the passages in the book made me cry positively they did she said pen said with some fatuity i am happy to think i have had a part of volan miss blanche and the major who had not read more than six pages of pen's book put on his sanctified look saying yes there are some passages quite affecting monstrous affecting and oh if it makes you cry lady amory declared she would not read it that she wouldn't don't mamma blanche said with a french shrug of her shoulders and then she fell into a rhapsody about the book about the snatches of poetry interspersed in it about the two heroines leonora and niera about the two heroes walter lorraine and his rival the young duke and what good company you introduce us to said the young lady archly quel temps how much of your life have you passed at court and are you a prime minister's son mr arthur pen began to laugh it is as cheap for a novelist to create a duke as to make a baronet he said shall i tell you a secret miss amory i promoted all my characters at the request of the publisher the young duke was only a young baron when the novel was first written his false friend the viscount was a simple commoner and so on with all the characters of the story what a wicked satirical pert young man you have become come vous voila forme said the young lady how different from arthur pendennis of the country ah, i think i like arthur pendennis of the country best though and she gave him the full benefit of her eyes both of the fond appealing glance into his own and of the modest look downwards towards the carpet which showed off her dark eyelids and long fringed lashes pen of course protested that he had not changed in the least to which the young lady replied by a tender sigh and thinking that she had done quite enough to make arthur happy or miserable as the case might be she proceeded to cajole his companion mr harry foker who during the literary conversation had sat silently imbibing the head of his cane and wishing that he was a clever chap like that pen if the major thought that by telling miss amory of mr foker's engagement to his cousin lady anne milton which information the old gentleman neatly conveyed to the girl as he sat by her side at luncheon below stairs if we say that major thought that the knowledge of this fact would prevent blanche from paying any further attention to the young heir of foker's entire he was entirely mistaken she became only the more gracious to foker she praised him and everything belonging to him she praised his mamma she praised the pony which he rode in the park she praised the lovely brilogues or gimcracks which the young gentleman wore at his watch-chain and that dear little darling of a cane and those dear little delicious monkey's heads with ruby eyes which ornamented harry's shirt and formed the buttons of his waistcoat and then having praised and coaxed the weak youth until he blushed and tingled with pleasure and until pen thought she really had gone quite far enough she took another theme i'm afraid mr foker is a very sad young man she said turning round to pen he does not look so pen answered with a sneer i mean we have heard sad stories about him haven't we mamma what was mr point saying here the other day about that party at richmond oh you naughty creature but here seeing that harry's countenance assumed a great expression of alarm while pen's wore a look of amusement she turned to the latter and said i believe you are just as bad i believe you would have liked to have been there wouldn't you i know you would yes and so should i 
lor blanche mamma cried well i would i never saw an actress in my life i would give anything to know one for i adore talent and i adore richmond that i do and i adore greenwich and i say i should like to go there why should not we three bachelors the major here broke out gallantly and to his nephew's special surprise beg these ladies to honour us with their company at greenwich is lady clavering to go on for ever being hospitable to us and may we make no return speak for yourselves young men eh begad here is my nephew with his pockets full of money his pockets full begad and mr henry foker who as i have heard say is pretty well to do in the world how is your lovely cousin lady anne mr foker here are these two young ones and they allow an old fellow like me to speak lady clavering will you do me the favour to be my guest and miss blanche shall be arthur's if she will be so good oh delightful cried blanche i like a bit of fun too said lady clavering and we will take some day when sir francis when sir francis dines out yes mamma the daughter said it will be charming and a charming day it was the dinner was ordered at greenwich and foker though he did not invite miss amory had some delicious opportunities of conversation with her during the repast and afterwards on the balcony of their room at the hotel and again during the drive home in her ladyship's barouche pen came down with his uncle in sir hugh trumpington's broom which the major borrowed for the occasion i am an old soldier begad he said and i learned in early life to make myself comfortable and being an old soldier he allowed the two young men to pay for the dinner between them and all the way home in the broom he rallied pen about miss amory's evident partiality for him praised her good looks spirits and wit and again told pen in the strictest confidence that she would be a devilish deal richer than people thought End of chapter forty one